Grady Kachuk is a good hockey player. He mm-hmm. needs to be on the ice. Mm-hmm. I get the grit and I love the passion and everyone enjoys watching that. But the thing about Matthew Kachuk that makes him so good is he's a, a son of a gun out there, but he kind of stays out of the penalty box in terms of fighting and and he's on the ice to score goals. Well, Brady Kachuk has to buy into that because he's fighting too much, in my opinion, and they need him on the ice. You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Good evening and welcome to episode 198 of the podcast. Cody Abrams and Melbourne with you as we uh, get set for our final in-season check-in episode. We're going to be talking about the Atlantic in this one. Uh, But first of all, how we doing, boys, post-All-Star break in the NHL? Well, Harp, there's good news and there's bad news. The good news is I had a great weekend. It was very busy. It was my birthday on Sunday and got absolutely spoiled. The bad news is I officially have no potential in the (laughs) NHL video games. I'm 27 years old. That means I am exact and I have no potential. I think we made this joke last week. I'm just thinking about that now. But yeah, uh, regardless, uh, my frontal lobe has been not developing for two years. I'm no longer growing and I'm not getting any faster. And boy, do I feel sluggish from this busy weekend? So uh, he is now franchise exact, and that's okay because you know so is a guy like I don't know Sidney Crosby. So there you go. Well, He's a bit old. David is our age, so you could have used him. So that's that's very well, soon when his birthday comes that was our draft but yeah he's 26 still so i believe so i have to check it is pretty yeah. early in the year so i like my odds with that one but yes great to to see it case uh sorry we missed your birthday but uh you know i had a fantastic weekend as well and that had to do with a multitude of factors one being uh my sister and her husband and my mom and my nephews came up to visit so that was just hectic for the entire weekend but loads of fun and it's nice seeing uh my nephews but then the second reason is all-star weekend and boy was it a packed weekend so i want to just kind of run you guys through how it went for me being in the city because the all-star game was in toronto for the first time since 2000. And by the way, I told you guys that I have uh, a t-shirt that I thrifted, I think is the coolest thing ever uh, from the last time the All-Star game was in Toronto in 2000. So it says NHL All-Star Toronto 2000 on the back NHL logo, the old one with the orange around it. Cool, cool, cool shirt. And I wore that on Thursday night to go to the uh, NHL All-Star team draft, which also included a tribute to the 1967 Maple Leafs and the PWHL three-on-three hockey classic, which that total event, guys, was great. I will say my seats were terrible because it was expensive to get in, even for uh, the poor seats. Not crazy, but like, you know, you're going to, you're not even going to see a game and we got the worst seats in the house and they were still like 45 bucks each. So um, but it was cool to be there to see Michael Bublé on mushrooms. That was a story of the weekend. Who knows if that's even true? Uh, he had a video with Steve Dangle later that night when they were out for dinner, and apparently it wasn't true. But they're kind of just you know going into this whole lore around Michael Bublé. Um, but got to see all the stars on the ice. 
and and all the celebrities who were there too, uh, including Justin Bieber, Will Arnett, and Tate McRae. So all of that really really cool on Thursday night. Friday was a pretty normal day for me. I watched the skills competition uh, with the fam at home, and uh, that that was cool. It was nice to see Connor McDavid, the the most skilled player in the league, winning the damn thing and and getting that fat check uh, because. You know, I feel like the skills comp and and like we've talked about this in the past, it's a snooze fest. But this year, I feel like they 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 made it a bit better. Both the game and the the skills were more watchable, more enjoyable. I felt so. Then Saturday, and this is where it gets kind of cool. Uh, I went to Gretzky's basement, and you can see by the ball cap if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, got this hat and I also got this ring that came with the purchase. I don't know if you can see it there. It's maybe a little blurry. Wait for it to focus. And uh, yeah, it's just this cool thing. Like they gave this ring, it says Wally right there, you know, in in memoriam, uh, passed away in 2021. Um, It was just cool. Like any purchase, you get this ring with it and, and it's just a fat, like looks like a Stanley Cup ring. And so that was cool. And then randomly, I ran into the Spit and Chicklets guys when, when I was there. So that was really cool. Got a picture with them. Obviously, I threw it up on our Instagram page. But uh, just the, the nicest guys ever and, and like gave you the time of day, really, at a time where they had just recorded like back-to-back interviews with players upstairs. So it was really cool to see them come out. And, and you know, the first thing I see, I, I go out and I see RA and he's like smoking a joint. And then I see the other guys just kind of around them. And the first guy I interact with is Whitney and I like shake his hand, introduce myself, tell him I have a podcast and, and, you know, say, Hey, you should be a guest, like as a joke type thing. And, uh, and, and then I got a picture, but after that, and and he talked to like my little nephews and whatnot, who are two boys under two. And then after that, like 30 seconds later, biz comes over with a joint in his hand smoking. And then Whitney gives it to him. He says, biz like there's kids here like get out of the way like what are you doing and so then he Wit ends up talking to cameron and and they're like broing out because they both have young children so they're talking about that so all in all it was just really cool meeting those guys getting a picture and uh just they really just seemed like down-to-earth guys who who love hockey so that was really cool anyway that was my my big long spiel great weekend um and uh yeah ready to talk some atlantic yeah, no, that uh, that all sounds awesome, Chad, and uh, and of course you can check out the um, the the pick with uh, with you and the Spit and Chicklets boys on our Instagram at uh, Boys in the Booth. Um, you know, I think the main takeaway was like downtown Toronto hadn't been alive like that since the Raptors won in it was 2019. Buzzing. So that's that's fantastic. It looked like uh, it looked like a terrific weekend for sure. Doing good, boys. Um, you know, quiet weekend, and uh, this one will relatively be quiet as well. But then next weekend, really looking forward to uh, the uh, Brockville Winter Classic, and uh, that's with the Sens alumni this year. We're going to have a Sens alum and former Stanley Cup champion in 04 with the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, joining us here on the pod uh, a little later on. So stay tuned for that, but doing good. And let's get into the Atlantic. So once again, this is how we're going to structure it as we have uh, for the last few teams that we were most wrong about going into the season, uh, teams we were spot on about and uh, the clubs that are kind of TBD to be determined. So Chad, let's get you to rattle off our preseason rankings for the Atlantic. 
Yeah, so in the preseason, boys, this might have been the division we were the most wrong about because oh, terrible. <laughs> the, it, it just, it, but we did say, and I listened back today to to our division previews. This was a division where we could be convinced. That was the theme of the episode. I can be convinced because really going into this season, and even now at the midway part or just past the midway part of the season, it's still like we don't know who the the good teams and the bad teams are in this division. I mean, we have a general sense who's at the top and who's at the bottom, but there's a lot of teams in the middle who could, you know, go for it and, and be good or bad. So that was a the theme going into it. In the preseason, in this order, this is how we thought the division was going to shake out. Toronto, Tampa, Florida, Buffalo, Ottawa, Boston, Detroit, and Montreal. And here are the standings today, sorted by points percentage, because there are a few teams who have played a few less games than everybody else. We have Boston, Florida, Toronto, Tampa, Detroit, Buffalo, Montreal, and Ottawa in dead last in the division. So that's how it shakes out today comparing to our preseason predictions. We were clearly most wrong about the Bruins and uh, to a lesser extent, the Senators as well. So Case, why don't we start with that? The teams we were most wrong on, and uh, I'll, I'll leave it up to you who you want to go to first. We interrupt this podcast to tell you about one of our favorite partners, Sign Up Expert. If you're a sports better, whether a brand new one, casual, or hardcore, listen very carefully because this ad is for you. Guys, line shopping for the best odds matters, and that's why any profitable sports better needs to be using multiple sports books to maximize their winnings. Thankfully, there has never been a better time to get signed up. And we are here to connect you with the best promotions industry-wide. When you use our link at signupexpert.com slash boys in the booth, you can get access to all the top sportsbooks in your region, along with a review of each platform and their benefits. Most importantly, all of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users. And when you register through our link, again, signupexpert.com slash boys in the booth, you will automatically receive the top offer at each one, allowing you to start line shopping with an enhanced bankroll. Guys, once again, it's simple. When you use multiple sportsbooks, you ensure that you can always access the best available odds out there, which is key to being successful and taking home those winnings, baby. So if you want to take advantage of these incredible benefits and support our brand all at the same time, it's a win-win, please consider signing up for your next sportsbook through our link in the description down below. Signupexpert.com slash boys in the booth. One more time, that's signupexpert.com slash boys in the booth. Hey guys, Harp here from the pod. We all want two things as sports fans when it comes to buying tickets. To not be ripped off by scalpers and to have an easy way to do it. That's where SeatGeek comes in. This pod is sponsored by the absolute best ticket app out there, SeatGeek. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, making it quick and easy to get the best deals on tickets to your favorite sporting events. It does this awesome thing where they score each ticket out of 10 based on its value so you know whether you're getting a good deal or not. 
If the tickets are green, you'd better act quick and secure those things. But if the tickets are red, maybe wait a little bit before pulling the trigger and monitor the price in the SeatGeek app. SeatGeek just makes it way too easy. Anyways, here's the best part. SeatGeek has completely hooked us up. Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code Boys in the booth in all caps. Click the link in the description to download the app today. And remember to get your discounted tickets to your favorite sporting events using the code Boys in the booth in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. Now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Well, I'm going to go to the team that, well, they're becoming. The group we can't doubt ever again. And for a long time, I think it was like five years maybe, we had Pittsburgh as a team that no matter what, we couldn't doubt them before the season because they always proved us wrong. Well, that's the Boston Bruins now. I have to give credit to Jim Montgomery. I keep on doubting the lineup they put forward in the offseason and they keep over exceeding by a long shot every or these last two years, definitely. And like first in the league were we expecting this no we weren't expecting it last year and they were we were definitely not expecting it this year we were doubting the center core once again while zaka and charlie Coyle are on pace to produce more than bergeron and Krejci. i know that there's a defensive aspect with those two players but like how is that possible i don't know and then you know the stars are on fire jim always has them buzzing dangerous special teams they play good team defense with the best goaltending tandem in the league is that a recipe for success yeah how did we not see that when we were doing preseason rankings but i think we just doubted the the scoring opportunity on this team and the depth and boy were we wrong like wow well, it was a team who lost their top two centers coming into the league. Yeah. And the number one guy is a first ballot Hall of Famer, it, 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 you know, it, eventually. Like, he is that good. And they lost him. They lost Krejci. It was part of this core that had been together forever. And, you know, it, it just seemed like, okay, this is finally the year that the Bruins are are going to fall. And, of course, man, we're eating our words from the preseason. Like, this team for whatever reason, consistently is able to get it done even without their top two centers from the last decade. It, it, it's it's unbelievable. I don't understand it. Charlie Coyle is now a, a first-line center like on, on a good team. Like It's odd, but he's having a great year. So is Zaka. I'm glad that you mentioned that case. Their defense, I mean, let's be honest. We knew that their D was pretty good, especially after getting Lindholm last year. Um, you know, even though they lost a guy like Orlov, like their their D was still pretty good, and their goaltending, we knew that that was going to be good coming into the season too. It was just the depth scoring we didn't think was going to be there. But guys, Pasternak, another level this season. Uh, Marchand, just as good. We mentioned the the top two centers being pretty good, and then just getting contributions all throughout the lineup. Like, and it's not like they're they're just relying on on you know, defending and, and that's the only way they're winning games. Like, no, man, they're scoring goals too. They do everything. They generate a ton of chances. They don't give up a lot against. It's just shocking that this team once again is in first in this division. Yeah. I can't believe it. 
I, I I can't believe it either. Once again, I have not learned. I have not learned uh, <laughs> to, you know, to not doubt the Boston Bruins because they've done it again. They did it last year when I counted them out and they've done it again this year. Like they could, they could very well win the president's trophy here back to back years. Don't know if they necessarily want that because <laughs> of what happened in the first round against the Florida Panthers. Um, even though they were like less than a minute away from eliminating the Panthers in, in game seven. That's how crazy the playoffs uh, can be. Um, but uh, it, it's the Bruins. I mean, this is what they do. Marchand, just a, a perfect fit immediately, a natural replacement as the captain of this team uh, to just continue that standard of excellence in this organization that we've seen for such a long time. And, you know, you guys said like, Elite goaltending, both of them, Swayman and Allmark, elite defensemen, uh, although Hampus Lindholm isn't uh, isn't quite the the guy that he was last season, is still very good. You've got Charlie McAvoy, Carlo, Grizzlick, even that Mason Lowry has, has looked good when he's been up in the lineup. But you guys mentioned Coyle, Zaka, the years that they're having, getting contributions from guys like Frederick. JVR, who we kind of looked at as a, you know, a nothing signing. Morgan Geeky, Matt Poitra was a really nice surprise earlier in the year. And Chad, you mentioned Pasternak there. And I think that that guy does not get enough credit as, as one of the top players in the league. First of all, he's a winger. He could score 60 goals every single year. Like we're talking about Matthews maybe hitting 70 Pasternak could maybe do that one year. Like I could see that. And, you know, to to be that good and to drive the play as much as he does every single night as a winger, it's really something to see. So um yeah, did not expect this again from the Bruins. 31, 9 and 9, their record as we're recording this. Absolutely ridiculous. And we are eating our words once again. Only two teams in this division have scored more goals. The Tampa Bay Lightning have two more goals than the Boston Bruins. And think about all the weapons they have. And the Red Wings have three more goals. It's, it's insanity. I, I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And hey, like, you know, just saying we weren't the only ones that were counting out the Bruins before the, uh, before the start of the year. That's for sure. Everybody looked at the two top centermen leaving and okay. This is the start of, uh, you know, the tail off for the Bruins. Yeah, not happening. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move on to the Ottawa Senators. And, uh, you know, we thought that this would be the year that Ottawa takes a jump forward and makes it into the playoffs. Look, it's it's been kind of a disaster of a season for, for Ottawa. DJ Smith goes out the door, um, you know, b- before the uh, or early in the year. Pierre Dorian is is let go as well, the general manager. I think everyone is just kind of in shock in Ottawa. It's been better the last little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, what do we have to say about the Senators? Because we were dead wrong about them as well. And uh, they're in dead last in this division, six points behind Montreal and Buffalo in last place. <clears throat> yeah, this, is, this has been very disappointing. And this is the season that we really expected them to step up and become a playoff contender on paper. 
I would say they are exactly that. And it's just not worked out this year. Goaltending has been incredibly poor across the board. Three goaltenders have struggled for them. And it really hurts that you bring in one of them as, you know, the the solution to your goaltending and to be your starter. And he is the maybe worst in the league this year uh, in Corpus Allo. And the team just leaks goals. You know, they don't play great team defense and then they get scored on because of poor goaltending. It's just compounding problems. And they're in an absolute anomaly to the fact that they're last in the division, yet third in the league for goals above expected. So they're getting kind of lucky in the goal scoring department and then just bat everywhere else. Um, they started off the season great. And I thought, yep, this is the year like on fire. But then, you know, things just kept going wrong. There's always been injuries with this team. It seems like they have the injury bug every single year. You know, Pinto's gone for the start of the season. That doesn't help. Just so many issues and something that i've been noticing and talking about lately is like brady kachuk is a good hockey player he mm-hmm. needs to be on the ice mm-hmm. i get the grit and i love the passion and everyone enjoys watching that but the thing about matthew kachuk that makes him so good is he's a, a son of a gun out there but he kind of stays out of the penalty box in terms of fighting and and he's on the ice to score goals. Well, Brady Kachuk has to buy into that because he's fighting too much, in my opinion, and they need him on the ice. But I don't Time know. and place is a real thing for yeah. Brady. Matthew yeah. has it figured out. Brady, not so much. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know. I could keep going, but uh, I have no solutions for this team at the moment. I think on paper, they're a great team, and it's just not working out. Yeah, I, I would actually push back on one of the points you make, Case, that they don't play good team defense because the numbers suggest they don't give up a ton defensively. And I think their decor is actually really good. They have guys who can defend, but they also have guys who can score too. Like think about Chikrin, Shabbat, Sanderson, all of those guys can be offensive and, you know, they can play defensive at times too. So, you know, they're, I don't think they're giving up a ton of chances. They've just had terrible goaltending. And the other big issue is they can't score. So when I hear rumors like, you know, at the end of the season, like in the off season, this team is looking to sign a guy like Chris Tanev. I just think that is the opposite of what this team needs. They need another driver of offense. Like, sure, you're getting great years out of Claude Giroux, but he's not getting any younger. Sure, you've got Brady Kachuk, who can be good, but he's in the box half the time, as we talked about. Really offensively, your main guy is Tim Stutzla, and nobody else is really contributing at the clip that you would expect them to or need them to if they're going to play like consistently in your top six on a contending team. So I think they need offense or at least need to figure out a new system to start generating offense and scoring. Because like you said, they're scoring above expected. They're not generating a ton. Like it's just one of those things. They need scorers. And maybe they thought Tarasenko would be that guy. Maybe they thought Debrinkit would be that guy. But I don't know, man. I think the issue is deeper than just adding a peripheral guy to this team. I think they need a big shakeup and it has to happen on forward. I'm I'm talking team defense. I think that their decor is good, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I just feel like every time I've turned on a Sens game this year, I'm seeing them turn over the puck in their own zone. And 
and kind of collapsing once they turn over the puck. Like it seems solid until the turnover happens. Mm. But I don't know. I've watched maybe six Sens games this year, so I can't. I'm not well, an expert. T- to be fair, I've watched the only time they've played the Leafs. Like I, I only watch them when they play the Maple Leafs. I'm just mm-hmm. looking at the underlying numbers and I see that they're sixth in the league, sixth best, that is, in terms of expected goals against, meaning that they're not giving up great opportunities and, you know, they're also not scoring. So I don't, I think that's the problem to me. It, just looking at the numbers, I'm sure a Sens fan might say something different and maybe that's where this whole Chris Tanev thing came from, but I don't know. I don't think that's the issue for them. Well, and, and, you know, as as weird as the Tanev thing maybe is, I mean, that's not a move that's happening in season because the Senators are way out of it. They're not going to be a playoff team. And, and of course, Tanev wants to go to a contender and uh, and I believe will end up on a contending team come uh, trade deadline. But, uh, you know, I, I, I do get what Steos is, is thinking uh, by adding good pros to this lineup to uh, because look, Kachuk, Stutzla, Norris, Batherson, Sanderson, all these guys, like they're still really young. And, uh, you know, it, it can't be all on Claude Giroux to, uh, to lead. And uh, not saying that Brady Kachuk isn't a great leader. I think he is. But, you know, the more good pros you can have, the better. So I, I do get it. And, uh, and again, I do think Steos has done a good job, you know, just trying to calm the waters a little bit and, um, you know, evaluate things. I, I like what he's done with Jacques Martin and bringing Alfie onto the bench and, you know, just to try and stabilize things a little bit. And lately it's been better. They're six, two and two in their last 10. They've won a couple of games in a row, but uh, again, the, the two words that I use to describe the season for Ottawa shell shocked. I, I think the, the whole, the whole team, everyone in that room is just shell shocked with the way that, that this year is gone and and look not to not co- not to continue to to beat a dead horse um and and that is uh, Pierre Dorian of course uh, the ex-GM of the Sens who I'm referring to but you know we're we're really seeing how a lot of his moves have really uh been detrimental to this team and have really set them back i mean this thing sh- should be um further along than it is and uh and again you know a big part of it is the goaltending like you mentioned case i mean it's been absolutely abysmal and uh again Going back to Pierre Dorian's moves, you know, you hate to kick a guy while he's down and you never want to see a guy lose their job, but why would you give Corpusalo a five-year commitment when he's not even a proven starter in the National Hockey League? Like, he just isn't. I, I don't get it. And that's one of uh, many moves uh, that, you know, he made that have been detrimental to this team. You know, we mentioned guys like Debrinket and Tarasenko and, like, the Senators weren't ready for moves like that. And now Steos and Ann Lauer have to come in in a, uh, you know, in a really tough cap situation, which, by the way, you know, Dorian screwed up in the offseason because even if they wanted to sign Shane Pinto, they couldn't because they didn't have any room. Mm-hmm. So just the, the mismanagement from the beginning has really set this team back and Again, not trying to kick a te- uh, kick a guy while he's down, but th- this is the reality that uh, that the Senators are faced with. So uh, I do believe in Steve Steos and and uh, you know and 
sort of his vision moving forward. But yeah, I mean, the senators are going to have some some big questions uh, to ask and big decisions to make in the offseason. There's a good young core there for sure. Uh, the, there's a lot of talent there. This team is going to be better. They could be a playoff team as soon as next season. But uh, yeah, we did not expect it to go this way in Ottawa. And I think at this point, the year just kind of needs to be done, even though they've been a lot better through their last 10. It just needs to be done and they need to reset. That's where we're at in Ottawa. Nah, they're buyers at the deadline. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, apparently. Like, no, they're done. And Harb, I keep thinking back to something you said in the preseason episode that we did on the Atlantic. You said... The story of the Senators is, you know, they want to be a playoff team, but they can't afford to have a bad start and then lose the season. Well, that's exactly what happened. Like, you you can't, like, this division is too competitive. You can't take a month off and expect, you know, something to just figure itself out, especially when you're one of these teams on the bottom who's trying to get to the top. Like, it just, it doesn't work and... Man, the Sens are in shambles. Like, I don't know what they're going to do next, but something has to change next season because I don't know how you sell that. You can't bring back, I mean, like, this is ridiculous coming from a Leaf fan, but like, you can't bring back everybody and just say it's going to work this year, you know? Like, that's why I say it's ridiculous coming from a Leaf fan. But you know what? At least the Leafs make the playoffs every year. The Sens, they're not even sniffing it. It's embarrassing. Embarrassing. Yeah. No, it, it, it is. But uh, look, there there's too much talent there and too bright of a future for, you know, that young core for them or for this to continue, essentially. So, um, yeah, it, it's going to be really interesting to, to watch the, the senators as we uh, as we move forward here. We interrupt this podcast to tell you about one of our favorite partners, Sign Up Expert. If you're a sports better, whether brand new, casual, or hardcore, listen very carefully because this ad is for you. Guys, line shopping for the best odds matters, and that's why any profitable sports better needs to be using multiple sports books to maximize their profits. Thankfully, there's never been a better time to get signed up, and we're here to connect you with the best promotions industry-wide. When you use our link at signupexpert.com slash boys in the booth, you can get access to all the top sportsbooks in your region, along with a review of each platform and its unique benefits. Most importantly, all of these sportsbooks have valuable signup offers for new users, and when you register through our link, you will automatically receive the top offer at each one, allowing you to start line shopping right away with an enhanced bankroll. Guys, it's simple. When you use multiple sportsbooks, you ensure that you can always access the best available odds, which is key to successful and profitable sports betting. So if you want to take advantage of these incredible benefits and support our brand at the same time, please consider signing up for your next sportsbook through the link in the description down below, signupexpert.com slash boys in the booth. If you're planning on signing up for a new sports book anyways, you might as well use the link and support the boys. So one more time, that's signupexpert.com slash boys in the booth. This podcast is also sponsored by the absolute best ticket app out there, SeatGeek. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, making it quick and easy to get the best deals on tickets to your favorite sporting events. SeatGeek does this awesome thing where they score each ticket out of 10 based on its value, so you know if you're getting a good or a bad deal. 
If the tickets are green, for example, you better act quick and secure those things because that's a good deal. But if the tickets are red, maybe wait a bit before pulling the trigger and monitor the price in the app. SeatGeek just makes it way too easy. Anyway, here's the best part though. SeatGeek has completely hooked us up. Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code Boys in the Booth in all caps. So click the link in the description down below to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code Boys in the Booth in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. All right, uh, so the two teams we were most wrong about, Boston and Ottawa, to start this off. Let's go to the teams that we were spot on about. And, uh, fellas, let's start with uh, the two teams in the state of Florida. And uh, we'll start with the Panthers. Stanley Cup final last year, clearly, this was not a one-off. Let's talk about the Panthers. Yeah, and in the preseason, we kind of talked about this team, I think, right away you know saying that they're going to struggle early on because they're missing their two best defenders well (laughs) they didn't they didn't Mm -hmm. struggle this team is persistent uh they prevail always because it's just everyone's bought in and it's team defense on the florida panthers and it's pretty impressive to watch the amount of chances they limit the amount of chances they produce and the uh, least expected goals against especially at i think five on five like the team is built very well and they're built like a playoff team and expect them to be good again in the playoffs bob has been good and that also helps when you're playing great team defense just like the boston bruins um and the thing about these guys is they're absolute shitheads <laughs> And that makes them draw the third most penalties against in the league. And they are, um, it's bringing them success. Yeah. This is like the prototype now for how you want to build a cup contending team, because not only are they pricks to play against and, you know, there's a long history of teams needing pricks, but their best players are also pricks in Matthew Kachuk and, and, you know, even Barkov is, is chippy at times. Like, not that he's a penalty guy, but he's hard to play against. He's strong. Like that's, you know. Not a star, not a be- their best guy, but as voted by the player poll, the <laughs> yes. number one guy they want to punch in the face is Nick Cousins. So, yes. The, the point is like they're built like a prototypical cup team because they're hard to play against and they're so deep. Like we've seen this year, some, some players taking steps back in their production. You know, Matthew Kachuk. I don't know if he'll ever be another 120 point player again, like maybe he will, but if he's not, that's okay because they have Sam Reinhart who might score 60 goals this season. Same with a guy like Brandon Montour had an incredible year last year. And this year after coming back from injury, you know, he's been just okay, but they picked up Oliver Ekman Larson and they've played him in favorable situations and he's been incredible. So it's, up and down the lineup, next man up mentality. And that is exactly what you need in a cup team. And it even stems as far as goaltending too. We saw last year, Bobrovsky was dog shit in the regular season. And Alex Lyon saved their season only for Bobrovsky to take over the starting role in the playoffs again and play absolutely lights out and almost win the con Smythe. And then this year, Bobrovsky has been incredible, but Stolarz backing him up has been pretty good as well so it's like it's next man up for this team up and down the lineup they're built like a cup team through and through and uh it's no surprise that they're at the top of this division right where we predicted them to be 
Well, Alex Lyon is saving another team's playoffs hope at the yes. moment. Um, Wild. And you don't have to tell me about next man up and doing well because my fantasy team is being carried by Reinhardt <laughs> and OEL. <laughs> yes. And Case, <clears throat> smartly, you, you didn't keep Montour this year, right? No. I held off because the injury and I was like, man, is he even going to be that guy again? So I, yeah. I held off. So that couple safe bets when it comes to the Panthers and fantasy for you there, Case. Yeah, absolutely. No, and, and uh, look, I, I think we, I, again, we, we kind of, there was some skepticism about Florida going into the year because of the injuries to Ekblad and to Montour. But, um, you know, again, like you guys mentioned, it's been next man up. And and, uh, who knew that Oliver Ekman Larson would just be the absolute bargoon that he's been for uh, for this team. He's been terrific. And uh, Reinhardt, again, Get a get a guy in a, in his prime in a contract year who can score goals and and this is what you get. Um, Barkov too, not you know a, another guy who doesn't get enough credit, I think. And uh, you know around playoff time, we'll see like how he performs because I know that that's that's been an issue in in the past, and and you don't notice him as much, but he is very much a, a big driver for uh, for this team and. Again, it just uh, just goes to show that um, you know when you get that far, get to the Stanley Cup final, you come up short with this group, come back even harder the next season, and uh, you know Kachuk, after a, a slow start, has really picked it up offensively, and and he is certainly the heartbeat of this team. And then you have guys like uh, Lomberg and Stenland and Cousins, like you guys met, like guys who are just pricks to play against and that's what you need to uh to be a contending team and they uh they look like they haven't skipped a beat six two and two in their last 10 they've won four in a row i've got a bold take here maybe um barkov is the second most accurately rated player in the nhl after Connor mcdavid because he is so often rated the most underrated player in the league to the point where he is the most accurately rated and i i think he's overrated fed up <laughs> i think he's overrated at this part like at, at this point you know so yeah. that athletic uh poll came out just like a week ago and i forget whose podcast i was listening to but it was they asked the players like who's the best player in the league and someone said I'm shocked that Barkov wasn't number two because everyone always talks about, you know, like all the players say he's the most underrated, blah, blah, blah. blah. So like, you know, put him in the top five. Yeah, I'm just saying, where's that teeter point where he's no longer the most underrated player because he's always rated that? (laughs) Yeah, no, like, like, I feel like we had this conversation like two years ago, you know, like five years ago, sure, most underrated. Now, Everyone knows he's there. He's he's a premier two-way center in the league. Like yeah. everyone knows that. So underrated, no, properly rated, probably. Two more things I wanted to say, two two more uh stats for you about this team. First in the league in expected goals for and fourth in the league in expected goals against. This team is just top to bottom. Like every no matter what line is on the ice, they're comfortable with it. And if I'm the Maple Leafs, by the way, uh, I'd much rather play a team like the Bruins in the first round than the Panthers because, my God, the Panthers look like they're poised to make another run this year. 
and why I brought up the whole uh, them being shitheads and causing penalties constantly is because they're actually 14th in the league for expected goals when it's five on five. Yeah. So that's that's the difference is when they cause chaos, they score goals. Yeah. And we saw last year in the playoffs, and I think the year before as well, there, there's a trend now that there's actually more penalties called in the playoffs than in the regular season, which is contrary to popular belief, but those are the facts. So yeah, it could be good for this team come playoff time as well. Absolutely. Paul Maurice uh, continues to do wonders for uh, for that Panthers team, that's for sure. Um, all right, the uh, the other team in uh, the the other side of the the Battle of Florida, and uh, and that's the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Fifty nine points, uh, third right now, and in, in the uh, in the division. I know Toronto is ahead of them in, in terms of points percentage, but uh, got to play man, the games too. So I get Casey's point. Got to play the games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but look like, you know, Tampa, they, they were kind of peaks and valleys. Like they, they had their peaks and valleys, uh, you know, so far this season kind of one up, one down and concerned about them at times, but they look like they're the old lightning eight and two in their last 10. They've won three in a row. Uh, the lightning look like (coughs) they're back. What do we have to say about the bulls? I think that we were spot on about these guys in the preseason when we talk about, you know. I said they've lost a lot of depth, but the stardom, man, the stardom of this team, you can't count them out. And boy, have they been good. Kucherov is a man on fire. He is, I'm going to lock him in at top three in MVP votes this year. (laughs) Like, you know, not too far off a two point per game pace at this point. It's unbelievable. Um, Point Kucherov, Stammer, all point per game or higher. They're all clicking. Uh, Braden Point might be the most underrated player in the league at this point. Um, so they're all phenomenal. And we also mentioned that defense would be the only thing that might cause these guys a bit of trouble in the season. And Chad pointed that out. That was your main point. But funny enough, you were like right and wrong about that point because you said it was the depth that's going to cause them problems. But I actually ran like a the expected goals for the the D pairings of this team above 200 minutes and the Dehan Radish pairing is their best pairing in that in those terms and Hedman and Perfix are the last which doesn't make a lot of sense i guess it's because they're probably playing the best quality of competition all the for time sure. but the point i'm getting at i'm not saying Hedman and Perfix have been bad i'm saying the depth guys are getting their job done. It's just as a team, the defense has been kind of, you know, middle of the pack in the NHL and it's taken its toll on the goaltending. The The goaltending hasn't been bad. It just, you know, they're allowing a lot of chances and the puck is going in the net for the stats. Yeah. Um, yeah and Johansson, the, uh, <laughs> the worst goalie to ever play in the NHL, as that one reporter said. He hasn't been that good, but man, he's getting it done. He's a backup goalie and they have points in 15 of the 22 games he's played. That's all you can ask for. That's all you can ask for as a backup goalie. So I don't know. This team's getting it done because their superstars are superstars. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it's similar to, I make the comparison now all the time to Martin Jones last year on, on the Seattle crack. And I think he had like 27 wins or something with an 
885 save or something like that. It's like you can win games if your goalie's not great. You just have to outscore your opponent. And for the most part, that's what Tampa Bay has been doing this season. Um, but God, their defense is leaky, man. Team defense, they give up the like like crazy chances. They never used yeah. to give up this much. And I, I remember saying this even going back to last year's trade deadline, saying that this was something that the team should have addressed, getting another top four defenseman. Just to lock down the D a bit, I get that their depth guys have been adequate and maybe it doesn't look so bad because you know their goalies have been okay, not Vasilevsky level great, but you know, no. Vasi's been okay since coming he's been back. League average this year. Yeah, he's been okay, right? And then like they've also been outscoring their problems. So maybe the defense doesn't look so bad because of that. But I mean, at the end of the day, it is pretty crazy that, you know, this team was without all the depth they had last year up front. They lost like five key guys <clears throat> without uh Sergachev for parts of the year this year, yeah. without Chernak for parts of the year. And the biggest one, without Vasilevsky, one of the best goalies in the league over the last, you know, five, six years for, for the first like 25 games of the season or whatever it was. It's crazy that they're still in this position, you know, whether you want to say that they're sitting in a wild card spot or third in, in the Atlantic, they're still in the top of the division, still going to be in the playoffs and still going to be a tough out for whoever plays them in the first round. And they've done all that. They've accrued all those points without having all of those things I just mentioned, the depth and and having some injuries to key, key players. So um, the final thing I want to say about this team is that even though I've ragged on the defense, uh, Victor Hedman is back and better than ever. You know, last season he was okay. And I don't know if he was dealing with an injury or just fatigue from having, you know, back to back to back long playoff runs. And, and maybe after having a full rest this off season, like this is why he's back, but he is producing the way that we expected Hedman to produce. He's also the QB one now again, whereas last year Sergachev took that over. So that hurt me in fantasy. And that's why I was like particularly focused on this because I kept Sergachev and and it just didn't work out. He hasn't been as good as as Hedman. But yeah, Hedman is absolutely back this year and uh, he's kind of carrying that back end. And this team is surprisingly fine despite all we've talked about. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it wouldn't surprise us if Julian Brisebois went out and got another defenseman at the deadline. We've heard the rumors about Tampa being connected to Sean Walker in LA era in uh, Philly. As an example, former King went from L.A. to to Philly, of course, in the offseason. But, uh, you know, a guy like that, just to add some extra depth to to that back end. But, uh, man, guys like Radish, Perbix, uh, you know, some of their call-ups like Thompson, that Declan Carlisle as well, who we had no clue who that was. But, man, again, like talk about next man up, guys from Syracuse that, that Tampa has been just bringing up for years and uh, guys that have been marinating for years in the AHL come up and are just able to be serviceable players for, uh, for this team. We say that they're going to be buyers because they always are, but how does the team have any assets left? They, they spend at minimum one first round draft pick every single trade deadline. They spent a whole draft cap class on Tanner Jeannot, like, what That's what Jeez. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure <laughs> yeah. they're going to do it. They'll probably play an arm and a leg for a defenseman. You're right. And yeah, they have Isaac impressive. Howard. 
I don't know if they trade a guy they've already picked, but, you know, usually they just trade future picks. But I don't know, man. This core isn't getting any younger. And who knows if, you know, Stamkos is even going to stick around. Like, I don't don't know. I feel like they have to go for it still. And and that's how I feel about every team with a core that just keeps getting older. And, you know, of course, I, I, I make this about the Leafs, but people talking about not buying at the deadline if you're the Maple Leafs, it's like, I don't get that at all. Like, even though the team isn't as good this year as it was last year, you still have to like do your best to not waste a year of, of the core. And I feel like Tampa mm-hmm. Bay is feeling the same effects of that. So I, th- I think they're going to buy for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and, you know, again, we, we know that Tampa pays high prices. Uh, the Genoa deal, a first rounder for Blake Coleman, a first for Barkley Goodrow and the list goes on. But, uh, I like, I don't know if we'll see deals like that from this team, but, you know, adding on the edges, I think to give them depth on the blue line, maybe up front, I could see more of that approach, but we know that Julian Brisebois is a stone cold killer and he is aggressive. And so again, it wouldn't surprise me if Tampa just sticks to the usual pay a high price and go for it. But yeah, their stars have been their stars. It's been ridiculous. Kucherov, Brandon Hagel, very underrated player on that team. I think point Stamkos, Nick Paul, another guy who doesn't get enough credit. Um, and, and they're well coached at, you know, John Cooper, he holds these guys accountable. Doesn't care what your, what your, uh, your cap hit is your star power, anything. He will sit you for a few shifts for an entire period. So be it. If you are not playing up to the Tampa Bay lightning standards and it's why they are, uh, you know, uh, an a one organization and they're, uh, right back in the mix again, man. I respect Nick Paul, that guy, like, yep. I respect him because I, I keep, I hate him. <laughs> Every time New Jersey plays Tampa, he's a pain to play against, and he comes up with big goals. Big he's a, body. He's a great player. Big yeah. body, clutch, like just seems to piss you off whenever he's out there. Totally you hate him because you ain't him. You don't have him. What? <laughs> yeah, we're haters. Nick Paul haters, certified. We interrupt this podcast to tell you about one of our favorite partners, Sign Up Expert. If you're a sports better, whether brand new, casual, or hardcore, listen very carefully because this ad is for you. Guys, line shopping for the best odds matters, and that's why any profitable sports better needs to be using multiple sports books to maximize their profits. Thankfully, there has never been a better time to get signed up, and we are here to connect you with the best promotions industry-wide. When you use our link at signupexpert.com slash boys in the booth, you can get access to all of the top sports books in your region, along with a review of each platform and its unique benefits. Most importantly, all of these sports books have valuable signup offers for new users. And when you register through our link, you will automatically receive the top offer at each one, allowing you to start line shopping with an enhanced bankroll. Guys, it's simple. When you use multiple sports books, you ensure that you can always access the best available odds, which is key to successful and profitable sports betting. So, if you want to take advantage of these incredible benefits and support our brand at the same time, please consider signing up for your next sports book through our link in the description below. Signupexpert.com slash boys in the booth. 
If you're planning on signing up for a new sportsbook anyways, you might as well use our link and support the boys. So, one more time, that's signupexpert.com slash boys in the booth. This podcast is sponsored by SeatGeek, the absolute best ticket app out there. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, making it quick and easy to get the best deals to tickets at your favorite sporting event. SeatGeek does this awesome thing where they score each ticket out of 10 based on its value, so you know whether you're getting a good or a bad deal. Last time I got tickets to see the Devils play, I first saw red tickets. I waited it out, monitored the price in-app, and once I saw green, I pulled the trigger. SeatGeek makes it that easy. And here's the best part. SeatGeek has completely hooked us up. Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Click the link in our description to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. He's a, he's a great player, that's for sure. Um, all right, and uh, the uh, the third team that we were, you know, pretty spot on about uh, joining Florida and Tampa, uh, the Montreal Canadiens. We, uh, you know, we predicted them to be last in this division, and uh, they're six points up on the Ottawa Senators in seventh. Uh, right now actually tied in, in points with, with the Buffalo Sabres. But uh, look, we knew that Montreal was going to be near the bottom of this division. Uh, three, uh, four and three in their last 10, I think for a little bit there, like we, you know, we were kind of surprised at how Montreal was uh, staying, I, gu- I guess, relevant and hanging around in the race. But we're really starting to see the the drop off now. They're going to be sellers again at the deadline. It's already started with the Sean Monahan deal, by the way, just excellent asset management from Kent Hughes comma again but um yeah it's uh this this is the uh the play for montreal we knew that get another high pick continue to build what do we have to say about the habs the habs you know we expected this from this team we expected them to be bad and that's the way they were supposed to be this year they are in a rebuild they're seeing growth from young players and they're managing their assets well and they're also on top of that playing kind of exciting hockey in ways that it's just kind of freewheeling whenever, at least whenever I watch Montreal play, it's, you know, high risk, high reward plays at all times. And then they're kind of playing spoiler every once in a while. So it's, it's fun at least, you know, as a fan, you'd rather see them be a playoff team, but at least you get a little bit, um, you know, that high flying uh, sort of play is resulting in like, you know, 379 defensive zone turnovers, which is first in the league, 509 giveaways, which is second in the league. Like, but then again, you get Michael Matheson going through five New Jersey Devils to score. So it's, it's fun. Dude, Matheson is on an island back there. Like yeah. it's, it's him and a bunch of guys like yeah. you know of course they've got like jack guy but he was in the minors for a bit they've got ghoulie and and whatever but it's matheson and a bunch of dudes back there like for real and then up front it's suzuki and caulfield and then a bunch of young players with high potential for the most part but i don't know man like i think they need to see more from suzuki and caulfield i know it's tough in in when you're playing on a team that 
doesn't generate much and gives up a ton. Like they're not put exactly in a perfect situation to produce. But I think at this point, you want more from both of those guys. Like, you know, people talked about Caulfield about, you know, even as as recent as like last year or the year before as potentially being a 50 plus goal scorer. And I just don't think he's he's even close to that right now. So I think they need to see more. Maybe that comes with them being a better team next season because I think they're they're going in the right direction. They're certainly managing their assets well, Harp, like you mentioned. Um, Kent Hughes has been great at tearing it down and acquiring value, whether that's in the draft or young players with high potential on the team. But at a certain point, and maybe that's next year, I think most Habs fans are hoping it's next year, you have to start winning some games or else you get into the territory of you know creating a losing culture, which we've seen and we've talked about in the past too, which is not a good thing. So Montreal is right where we expected them to be, bottom of this division. And next year, maybe they you know fall into the category of closer to teams like Buffalo or Detroit, who are kind of taking those uh, steps further along in their rebuild. Yeah, exactly. I could see that for sure. Um, by the way, like, got to give credit to uh, you know a, a guy like Sam Montembeau as well, who's who's been surprisingly very good and and looks like uh, the starting goaltender for for this team for the uh, foreseeable future. Slavkovsky looks like he's finally starting to come along a bit here slowly, which is uh, which is a good sign. Um, and then uh, you've got a guy like Lane Hudson on the way who looks like a real steal in uh, in the second round and and what a what a talented defenseman he looks like he's going to be so um you know I, again just uh continue to to build here next year you're looking to to take a step kind of like you know what Arizona has done and mm. uh and the way that that they've played this season I think is uh, is the play for Montreal, but I like what they're doing. I like what Hughes is doing. Marty Saint Louis continues to do a great job. It's uh, yeah, just another year. Get another high pick. Continue to build things forward in in Montreal. Um, all right, fellas. So we've got uh, three teams uh, to go, and uh, these three in that to be determined category. And so, Chad, let's go to your Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, third in this division in terms of points percentage, we predicted them uh, to finish first in this division before the start of the season. It's a post-All-Star break now, coming off a loss on uh, Monday night against the uh, New York Islanders at home. Uh, so, yeah, let's get into the Maple Leafs here. You want me to go first or Case? Yeah, you go. Yeah, you go. Okay, well, like I think the story of the Leafs this season has been the improvements that they made offensively have not weighed out or outweighed the subtractions they made defensively, which is yeah. clearly like which that- I have to give you props before you keep going for your preseason talk about this team. You said, you know, they're going to be still in the top five for expected goals, but they're going to fall deeper in the expected goals against because I think, you know, last year they were high in both or they mm-hmm. did very well in both, but uh, you're right. You, you nailed it. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, I know this team because they pissed me off so much and I didn't like a lot of the moves that Brad tree living made going into this season, but I was willing to give it a chance, like see a different 
version of this same yeah. team we've seen over the last, you know, five, six, seven years now. Um, but yeah, going back to that point case, I said that their offense should get a bit better. So that has happened. They're third in the league in expected goals right now, seventh in actual goals, but they are generating more than they were last season, uh, at least based on on relative to the rest of the league. And defensively, they're 17th in expected goals against and actual goals against, which is far lower than it was last season, but right exactly where I anticipated it to be for this team. I said, I think they'd be around 15th and they're 17th. So it's one of those things where, you know, it, it, it just comes down to the ads that they made on offense have come at the sacrifice of defense and it, the, the pros of adding that offense have not outweighed the, the cons of uh, subtracting from the defense. And look, maybe that is, you know, a healthy John Klingberg who found his game later in the season. Maybe that would make a difference because obviously that's a big blow. But at the end of the day, you could kind of see this coming from the start of the season. And uh, look, they're, they're not in first place in the division where we predicted them to be. But that being said, they kind of are blowing some stupid games and playing pretty good hockey. So I don't know. I don't feel like we're too wrong on the team, but I also don't feel like we're we're completely right. And that's why I have them in the to-be-determined category. Like I'm, I'm going to say something obvious yeah. sounding, but they're good in their wins and they're bad in their losses. That's yeah. really the case with Toronto. Yeah. And I think that one of the biggest problems with the back end, at least, is that there's been so much juggling. Like... Mm. I don't know if you blame that on the players or you blame that on coaching or what, but when there's so much juggling of pairs, you lose chemistry and turnovers happen and, and the defense suffers. I'm seeing that in New Jersey too because of injuries. Well, I think Toronto, I, I was looking, I think there's two pairs over 200 minutes played together. For comparison, there's seven in Tampa. Mm. So it's it's a lot of juggling on the back end. Um Obviously, Morgan Riley and, and Brody have played like 600 minutes together or something, but <laughs> but uh, the rest of it, you know, it's just hard to get in a groove and hard to to be consistent when when it's changing so much. Yeah, and and when it comes to the defense as well, I have to say this: since the playoffs last year, I have never seen Morgan Riley play as good as he is currently. Like this is, yeah. I think, the best regular season of Morgan Riley's career, and he just has built off of the incredible playoff performance from last season. So he, I believe anyway, has gotten better. Everybody else, aside from maybe Jake McCabe, has taken a bit of a step back. And on a team where they don't have a lot committed financially to their defense, you just can't afford for that to happen. A player like TJ Brody, love the guy, has been extremely consistent his entire time in Toronto has looked his age this year. And speaking of looking his age, uh, Mark Giordano, the oldest skater in the league, has looked his age this year. He's been yeah. playing on the third pair, and boy, he has made some tough, tough plays out there and just doesn't look like himself. Another guy, Timothy Lilligren. This was the year that he was supposed to step up and play consistent top four minutes, but he's been kind of pushed aside by Sheldon Keefe for a guy like Simone Benoit, because Benoit plays a more physical game and, and you need that to a certain extent. And I don't think Benoit is a top four guy at all. I don't even know if he's in the top six on a good cup team, but he's kind of filled a he's huge been gap. Out. 
he he's been working out lately. I, he's okay. Yeah, like that. he's I, he's fine. I have no problem with it. But it, like this is the first year that I can confidently say that there are legitimately some major holes on the back end of this team, and it's showing in the underlying and surface level numbers. Can I? say a stat that I actually don't have any plans of going further into discussion about this, but I just thought it was an interesting sure. stat and, you know, maybe it's resulting in the defense being beaten up or something. Um, they lead the league in hits taken. So being hit by over 120 hits. That's wild. So for wow. example, there's one, two, three, four, five, there's like 10 teams in the 900 hit range. Toronto has been hit 1,152 times. And do you know why that's even more interesting and, and kind of incredible? It's because this year's version of this team doesn't have the puck nearly as much as previous versions. Yeah, well, they're getting beaten up. <laughs> Which is crazy. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of wild. That's one of the big issues really is, is not not getting hit although I, I guess that is an issue as well but a big issue for me is that they just don't have the puck like I, they're still generating a ton of offense but it's not really down the lineup it's the top two lines and in fact it's the top three guys whatever lines they happen to be on like they're getting nothing from players like Bertuzzi and Domi you know like Robertson's been good but he hasn't played every game this year it's just I don't know, man. Like, there's just so many holes in this team. And I hate to do revisionist history here, but I just feel like if Kyle Dubas was still the GM, this team would look a hell of a lot different and, frankly, better defensively. And I think that's the main problem with this team. Well, I, and I, I think you're, you're kidding yourself if you think that this team is a contender. Like, I'm sorry. You're, you're just, you're kidding yourself. I'm sorry, Chad. You probably already say that to yourself anyways. But, um, I, and, and I do think that most of the surgery to the roster will occur in the offseason from Brad Tree Living in particular on the back end. But it's kind of like what we were saying about Tampa. Like, they're just, this team is not deep enough. There are some real holes on the blue line and up front. Uh, but their stars have been their stars. Matthews has been incredible on a 70-goal pace. Nylander, obviously, he gets the big extension. Morgan Riley, Mitch Marner, um, it's it's been terrific. But outside of outside of those guys, and and you know, I, I know that John Tavares has uh, has certainly struggled. Uh, he was certainly struggling going into the All Star break, but I mean, he's been pretty consistent. Uh, as well at the end of the day so yeah outside of the top guys they just they haven't had much and and it's hurt them but look still a, a good regular season team case you, you stated the obvious there but it's true like they're great in their wins and they're bad in their losses you know where they just they collapse or they don't show up for a period or two or it's a costly turnover it's a missed uh, read whatever it is uh but yeah uh, I, I think that uh, in the off season here to address the holes, um, most of the uh, most of the surgery to this roster again from Brad Tree Living is going to come in the off season. But in the meantime, we know he's looking for a defenseman, and we'll see what happens. Well, I was going to say just to wrap up, I have to go back to my previous point that I made about Tampa. Like 
the core isn't getting any younger and it, it, you have to do everything in your power not to waste a year. I realize that, and everyone does, that this team isn't built like it was even last season. I think last season might have been their best chance, honestly. Like they had, you know, up and down the lineup, they had depth at every position. Even though I didn't love every deadline move, like it was still it, like they were well built. Now they're missing a lot of that. But even though that's the case, you can't waste a year when you have these players on your roster because like, like, what are you doing? And maybe that is, you know, maybe that results in not trading a first round pick or a top prospect and turns into trading, you know, a second or a B-level prospect and and getting a a decent player to, to add to the roster and hoping for the best once you get in, because truthfully, anything can happen. Um, but that's it. You just can't waste a year. And I, I strongly believe in that. No, that's uh, that's fair for sure. All right, uh, we'll get to uh, these last two teams. Uh, we'll rip through these quickly here: uh, the Detroit Red Wings and the Buffalo Sabers uh, to finish off the uh, to be determined category. So let's talk about the Red Wings. I think uh, you know better than we expected. I think uh, than a lot of people expected. Iserman again the offseason continued to make his ads. 58 points tied with the Maple Leafs uh, for that fourth spot, 6-2-2 two, and two in their last 10. And uh, the only question I have is, can Alex Lyon do it again? Can he pull another team into the playoffs? Case, you mentioned it there. Let's go to you to start about the Red Wings. And Alex Lyon has been, he's been amazing. Like, mm-hmm. not really who we expected to be the number one goalie on this team, but he's been phenomenal and he's certainly dragging them along along and uh this team's been a roller coaster they started out so hot hottest team in the league and then they they really cooled off almost disappeared for a while while they're back in the mix again and it's strange because they're they're last in expected goals for in uh, five on five and fifth in goals for so things are working out i don't know if you know, sometimes you got to be good to be lucky and you got to be lucky to be good in the words of Chad Melbourne, but yep. uh, it's depth scoring for this team. Like the stars were getting it done at the beginning. Well, now it's 10 players with more than 10 goals and seven with more than 25 points. It's just depth, depth, depth with this team and it's it's looking good, but I don't know if I'm convinced quite yet. Yeah, I'm certainly not convinced and that's why they're in the to be determined category, but you know, like you said, Harp off the top, they had a great start to the season. Debrinket and Larkin looked like the dynamic duo of the future for this team. Like it, it was going to be just them and they were going to set the world on fire and everything was going to be hunky dory in Detroit. Well, you know, now we're halfway through the season and it's not looking as great as it did uh, in terms of how many points they have in the standings, in terms of the production from both of those players. And just in terms of, you know, like their their playoff chances, surface level numbers, underlying numbers, like none of it looks as good as it did at the start of the season. No. And that's okay. You expect ups and downs throughout the season. And, you know, we saw on the weekend, what you know, I don't know how much stock you put into this any, like at all, if, if you do, but Brinkett's a pretty damn good player. He had a pretty damn good all-star game. So that's, you know, something to consider. Maybe that'll be a, a boost for him in the second half of the season, but... At the end of the day, man, like we said going into this year, we weren't really sure what to expect from this team because especially the back end just kind of looks like a group of dudes on a team. Like it 
It's not very cohesive. Okay. There doesn't seem to be a purpose. I don't think they have a number one or frankly, even a number two defenseman on a good team. They have some good players and I, I like some pieces on their back end. But as it stands right now, I think that's one of the main issues. They give up a ton of chances against and thank God for Alex Lyon. He's been pretty good. But, you know, then you got Huso and, and Reimer. And I guess it just goes to show for goaltending that is, you know, if Montreal is the team that or, or sorry, if Ottawa is the team that, you know, you should not be taking notes from when it comes to goaltending. Maybe Detroit is because they got three guys who can probably play and one of them yeah. has worked out anyways. So I don't know. This team is kind of like what we expected in a weird way because we weren't really sure how it was going to work out. We could see it going well or we could see it going bad. And I don't know. It's just been odd. It's a weird team. I can't really, <laughs> I, like, I can't really make of it. Yeah, no, it, it it is. It is a weird team. And I think that that back end has just kind of been thrown together and uh, it's it's Mo Sider and everyone else. Uh, although I will say that Shane Goss, the spare, has been a great fit uh, in, in Detroit this season. Yeah, um, yeah. I just, you know, to jump in on that same point before it yeah. moved away from the back end. I don't, I don't know. I think you're being pretty hard on him. Like, Wallman's been really good with this team. I like uh, Wallman. Kind of one of those surprisingly it's good. True. Cider is is a top defenseman on he is he's yeah. a number two on most teams and a number one on several teams. Um, Shane Goss's Bears been a number one before in Philly <laughs> and Arizona. Justin Hole has been a number two in Toronto. Oh so. boy. <laughs> He's a number uh, and one, Jeff, according Jeff, to Keith. Jeff Petrie's been a number one in Mon- Montreal. So um, true. You know, there's. Uh, I don't. I, I just think. There. I just think where all of those guys are right now. I'm not convinced. I, yeah, I'm being tongue in cheek. I, I know. Yeah, exactly. but even for Cider, like that's a guy who had an incredible rookie year. We thought he was going to be, you know, Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes, like incredible rookie year. And this kind of goes for Raymond too, who's been producing pretty well uh, this season for Detroit. But both those guys had incredible rookie years. And since then, Sider's been good. Like he does a lot of little things really good. But in terms Mm -hmm. of production and driving offense, it's not quite where I think we expected it to be. And I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Absolutely, but uh, but he is an excellent defenseman. I mean, there there's no there's no question about it. So yeah, we'll kind of wait and see with Detroit. I'm not convinced, but uh, hey, they're they're right there and could certainly squeak in. So all right, fellas, we'll finish it off with, of course, the Buffalo Sabers in the uh, to be determined category. And uh, I'll just go really quick uh, into my thoughts on the Sabers, and then you guys can uh, can jump in. Look, I, I think the the way to sum up this season has been um, uh, inconsistency has killed this hockey team this season. Guys, they have not won more than two games in a row all season. Wow. I mean that that's ridiculous. Like with with a little over thirty games to go, how do you not have a win streak more than two games in a row? They've got one right now, and if they get three in a row, 
uh, tonight playing Dallas as we're recording this, <laughs> it'll feel like a friggin' miracle, I tell you, because they just haven't been able to do it all year. And that right there points to how inconsistent this team has been. At this time last year, they were one point out of the playoffs. They're 10 points back right now with 33 games to go. But it's been better lately, which is good. And uh, they were six and four in their last 10 going into the break, seven and four in January. But here's the kicker December, five, eight, and two. And again, this is what we see with, with this team every single year. They get off to a good start or maybe a little slow out of the gate. They have that one month that yeah. kind of ruins them. And Again, it's it's usually like November, December. Like I think last year they had an eight game losing streak in November, five, yeah. eight, and two in December. And now, you know, we're in a position where this team is is in a spot where there's no room for error. They have to go on another late push once again to make it close. Um, but the odds are certainly stacked against them. Oh, and by the way, Matias Samuelson. I know you guys don't know a ton about him, but he's a big part of that blue line, of course. Plays a ton of minutes alongside Rasmus Dahlin. Done for the season. He needs surgery. Jack Quinn is out another eight weeks. So that is uh, is is rough. And the power play has been abysmal this year. And, you know, again, like you have a one nothing loss to Vancouver at home. You're all over the Canucks, but Thatcher Demko does what he does. But then you have just a, a pathetic effort in Anaheim against the Ducks, one of the worst teams in the NHL where, you know, you don't show up for the first two periods and you show up in the third and, and almost get a point out of it. So inconsistency has killed this team, although I could certainly see the Sabres going on a, uh, a big run late in the year and making it close. If I was a betting man, I would say they're not going to be uh, a playoff team because even though it's been better as of late, there's just too much ground to make up. Anyway, thoughts on the Sabres before we wrap up? Yeah, it's unfortunate. We kind of all expected them to take another step and be a playoff team this year. Who knows? Maybe they, they can do that if they start to actually string some games together. But this team has been very mid in a division that you can't be mid in <laughs> like you can't slide by like you can in in maybe the central or something like that and and find some some playoff berth there's teams that can win by playing team defense we've talked about them tonight they're they're playing okay defense they're limiting shots but allowing high high danger chances and and goals you can score to win they're not really scoring a lot of goals goalies can win games they've kind of received some poor goaltending this year so it's not they don't have one of those things that are standing out they don't have one that has been particularly bad and it's just that's not a recipe for success in in especially the atlantic yeah well said yeah totally agree with that case a lot of mid going on here at every position and you know for you know, kind of like you said, for a lot of teams, that would be okay. But in this division, because it's so competitive and because they're one of the teams on on the come up, they need to be better than mid in every category or at least 
really good in one category to Mm -hmm. kind of carry. And that's kind of what happened last year. Like this was a team last year who scored a ton of goals. I don't remember where they finished in terms of the entire league, but I know they, they were like top five for the entire season. It felt like in terms of goals scored, we knew some regression was going to come for a guy like Tage Thompson. Um, And, and, you know, I look up and down the, the score sheet for, for this team, like the guys who have, who have scored their points and, there's a lot of encouraging numbers there, but there's also some discouraging numbers, uh, again, from a guy like Tage Thompson. So a lot of players who are kind of giving you hope for the future, but then some disappointing efforts from guys who you thought were elite now. So it, it's were, one of those things. They Sorry, were third. They were third in, in scoring last year. So there you go. They and were. I don't know where they, they rank right now, but it's it's they're not getting it done. They're 17th in expected goals for... And actually, yeah. I have it here 19th in, in goals for this season. Yeah. So it's just not working out. But I will say, you know, it's tough that Samuelson's out um, because he is a big part to their defense. I do think they need to add their defense if they want to be a playoff team still. But I will say, since coming back from the minors, Devin Levi has been pretty good. And that was a guy, and, and I guess I can include the entire uh, kind of trio of, of goalies they have. I wasn't certain on any of those guys coming into the season or how they were going to get it done as a committee, but overall it's been okay. Like it's been pretty fine. So a lot of the chatter in Buffalo has been, you know, about adding a goaltender. I don't even know if that's, if that's the right move for them, in my opinion, because I think Levi has been great since coming back from the minors. Well, and UPL, we have mm-hmm. to mention him. He's been fantastic uh, the the last little while for sure. And, you know, we talk about a guy like Thompson and his regression. Look, his cap hit is really good. He's still on like a like a 30 goal, 60 point pace, which, hey, for just over seven million bucks a year is is pretty good. But yep. the problem is he set the bar so high for yes. himself with almost having 50 goals last year and uh, and having 94 points. But a big part of his regression has been the power play. I mean, it's been absolutely abysmal this year as well. So, yeah, it's just it's been one up, one down for this team. But again, very much like Ottawa, young core. Locked up for a lot of years, a lot of potential, a lot of talent, and certainly a bright future. So um, we'll see. Uh, these these last 33 games are, are going to tell us a lot about this team. For sure. All right, fellas. Well, uh, that was a long one. It, it usually is uh, for for the last two divisions that uh, that we tackle uh, for our in-season check-ins, the Metro and the Atlantic in this one. So that does it for all four divisions, uh, checking in on them at this point in the NHL season. So thanks again for listening to the previous three, including this one, episode 198. We're two away from the big 200 milestone, which is very exciting. Lots of great things to come, including on this podcast still. Stick around. A conversation between myself and Ottawa Senators alum and Stanley Cup champion with the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2004, Andre Waugh. Enjoy. Next weekend is the 2024 Brockville Winter Classic with the Sens alumni, February 16th to 19th. And joining us on the line now, it's a pleasure to have Ottawa Senators alum and former Boston Bruins draft pick Andre Waugh. Andre, thanks so much for joining us. How are you today? 
Hey, very good. It's a pleasure to be here this morning. Nice sunny outside, so I can't ask for more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, Andre, are you in Ottawa right now? I'm in Montreal right now. Okay. Yeah. So uh, this is where I'm based, and uh, yeah. I do a little bit of TV, podcast, radio uh, here uh, where I grew up, a little outside of Montreal, actually. So Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Uh, So, Andre, let's get right into uh, your career and uh, starting with uh, your time with the Ottawa Senators, uh, three seasons with the organization between 99 and 2002. uh, And in Ottawa is where you really were able to establish yourself. What stands out to you the most about your time in the nation's capital? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Ottawa was great. Uh, yeah, I was like a, a left winger, rugged uh, winger that that was physical and brought energy, uh, and, and once in a while dropped the mitts. <laughs> it was part of my role, um, but uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Ottawa. I got my my actually I got a little uh, taste of the NHL when I was with Boston, like you mentioned earlier. Um, this is the team that drafted me. I yeah. played, I think, 13 games over three years. After uh, after that, it didn't really uh, ended well for me. So uh, I had to uh, go back and uh, prove myself. And I had an opportunity to come to Ottawa. And uh, Jacques Martin uh, was the head coach. Uh, I came to camp. I was ready. Made the team. So uh, And then, like you said, spent uh, three years there. Loved it. Fans were great. I was in an era where we were very competitive with the Alfredson hosts, uh, Wade Redden, Phillips, uh, uh, Avlet, and Bonk. And so so we were always a top team. Those were also the years where we, we faced the Leafs early in the first round. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't go well for us. But uh, other than that, I mean, Ottawa was just great. The fans were awesome with me, and I just loved my, my time in Ottawa for sure. You know, Andre, not only did you make it to the NHL and uh, accomplish that dream that uh, so many kids in in this country have, uh, but you accomplished the ultimate goal at the NHL level as well, winning a Stanley Cup in 2004 with the Tampa Bay Lightning. How did that feel and how often do you think back to that? Oh, man, this is like you mentioned, it's a dream country come true as a kid right so uh, I, I really wish I could have done that with Ottawa because just the, the, the city like I said the fans uh, was always so packed they were great and I have to say I was disappointed when I got traded from Ottawa I was almost crying at that really because I, I really thought we had the talent to go all the way uh, such a good team and I remember going to uh, Tampa, and not not that Florida's not nice, but just I, I remember they were out of the playoffs, and I wasn't too happy about the trade. But once I got there and I uh, got to know the, the the team I was part of, and uh, we we just progressed as a team. And uh, I think it was three years later after the trade that uh, we got to host uh, uh, raise the Stanley Cup. So uh, for me, I mean. Wow, what a dream come true! Just I, I think about it. Obviously, it's it's the my career highlight. You know, it's one thing yeah. to get drafted, your first NHL goal, and all that, but to to win the Stanley Cup, your name's on the trophy, and uh, um, for so many years, and uh, you get a ring. You know, so all all of that, the experience of going all the way to the finals, just what we went through. 
just unreal, amazing uh, feeling, and it was just unreal. I'll remember and cherish that uh, for the rest of my life for sure. You know, uh, Andre, that was a really interesting uh, answer, and it sounds like, you know, you want to win in Ottawa with that group so badly, and we've heard a lot of people say it in the hockey world that, you know, those Senators teams in the late 90s and early 2000s were uh, were arguably the, the best teams that never won a Stanley Cup. I, I mean, I, I'm sure you'll agree with that. Oh, absolutely. We had so much talent. And uh, we were good too. The whole season, every year, we we're always uh, first in our uh, uh, first, second in our conference. Uh, obviously, we're 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 right there, top top teams in the NHL. We had everything to uh, to, to success uh, to have success, right? So, uh, and uh, even after I left, I remember they brought in Danny Haley and. Uh, uh, they they had a bunch of guys there uh, with the speds and all those guys. I think they they almost uh, won that year where they went to the finals there against Anaheim. Yeah. Uh, after I left, but uh, so much talent, like you said, and and that's where you realize that it's it's tough to win a to win it all. You know, it's a, it's a battle. You go to war when when people say that it's true. You know, you you advance, but guys are are all injured and that, but you keep going because you, you just want to, there's one thing you have in mind is to win the cup, right? So, yep. uh, so early, uh, those years, uh, man, so much talent and it's bad, but hopefully, you know, they, they can bring back uh, a competitive team. They got so much good talent right now. As you look, the sense, you know, um, they're, they're coming along with some good young prospects. So who knows in the future, but uh, anything can happen for sure. If they, they keep moving uh, forward, and uh, progressing as an organization and a team. Yeah, well said, Andre. And uh, and right now, under the tutelage of uh, of the great Jacques Martin. Um, and uh, Andre, you know, going back to uh, your your time in Tampa when you won the Stanley Cup, your day with the Cup was extra special for you and uh, your personal life. Uh, what can you tell yeah. us about that day? Yeah, is uh, well, you know, we we after winning the cup, uh, I was uh, my girlfriend at the time. Obviously, we've been dating for a couple of years, and uh, that's something I had in mind. So I, I was like, yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to use the the cup date to, to propose to uh, the girlfriend and uh, uh, one of my friends that pretty much organized my 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 full day with the cup because we have one day with the cup right so yeah it was all uh detail you know and uh, you have to be ready and organized which it was and part of the day was uh, me going back to my hometown which was like a, a 20 minute ride you know and uh and he organized me anyways where i lived there i'm right by a golf course so um, I had the uh, an helicopter to come pick me up. So and and I didn't know, but the pilot at the time was Guy Lafleur, legendary Guy Lafleur, who, who passed uh, rest his soul. But yes. uh, so I didn't know that. So I come with the huh. cup there, and I, I look at the pilot. He comes out. I'm like, wow, Guy Lafleur, <laughs> what what what's going on here? Am I getting punked or whatever? He's like, no, I'm the pilot. I I got a license, and I was like, oh really? I couldn't believe it. So I was like, oh wow. 
So I had the I had the engagement ring in my pocket, obviously. So as we took off in the air, I, I decided to put the, the ring in the cup, and <laughs> you know my my girlfriend had, uh, was looking outside, and then I told her, "Hey, look in the cup. There's something." And she, she's very seasick, so she's like, "No, no, don't talk to me." I was like, "Look in the cup." Like, no, no. I was like, "Hey, would you look in the cup already?" And then she looked. What is this? I was like, "Open it." And then, anyways. So it turned out an engagement uh, day also, Stanley Cup, an engagement day. And, uh, yeah, anyway, so, yeah, who says, hey, tough guys can't be romantic, right? <laughs> That's right. Jeez, I guess so. Oh, what yeah. a what a fantastic story. Um, yeah, and, so. uh, and you know, finally, Andre, uh, we're, we're, we're so looking forward to, to having you and the rest of the, uh, of the alumni group uh, next weekend for the Brockville Winter Classic. Just how much are you looking forward to this and being here with uh, with those guys uh, here in Brockville? Yeah, it's going to be fun for sure. Every time I get to, to hang out with, with former players, it's always fun. And, uh, you know, I, there, there's a great group, even though some guys I didn't play with I still uh, got to meet in different events or or just by going uh, back to the rink. Sometimes we, we all get along. So it's always a fun time. Brockville's great. I know I've done some golf tournaments there before, and uh, I know <laughs> people, uh, it's a fun time. People like to have a beer or two or ten, whatever. Of course. <laughs> We always have a, a good time. Obviously, we uh, no one's drinking, but it's a fun time. That's what it's all about. So I'm very, I'm looking forward to it. And like I said, I've been there before. I know what to expect. I'll be ready. I hope everybody else is ready. But it should be a fun time, like usual. We'll uh, we'll be ready for sure. And uh, again, <laughs> really looking forward to having you back in Brockville. Uh, Andre Waugh, Ottawa Senators alum, will be here with the rest of the uh, Senators alumni for the Brockville Winter Classic weekend. February 16th to 19th, you can visit BrockvilleWinterClassic.com for more. Andre, thanks so much for your time, and we'll see you next weekend. Anytime, anytime. Thank you, and uh, be ready, Brockville. I'm coming to town. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at patreon.com slash boysinthebooth.